I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, and this is Rendering Unconscious. My guest today is Mary Wilde, creator of the Projections Lecture Series at the Freud Museum, London, where she applies psychoanalysis to film interpretation. Mary also co-hosts Projections Podcast and contributes to the Evolution of Horror Podcast, and she produces exclusive content on her Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Mary Wild, which I highly recommend. It's a fantastic podcast and I am a subscriber. This Sunday, August 21st, Mary will be joining us at Morbid Anatomy live online via Zoom, presenting cinematic dream sequences. And presenting also that night is Jennifer Dumpert, who's presenting Exploring Consciousness Through Liminal Dreaming. For more, join us at Morbid Anatomy, morbidanatomy.org events, or you can also visit psychartcult.org for more information. Mary, I'm so excited to talk to you. I missed you. Hey, Vanessa. Likewise. I've been looking forward to talking with you again. I miss you so much. How's the rest of your summer been going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Like really busy, actually. I've had a very busy summer work-wise. Lots of commissions, lots of research and stuff. No complaints, but I haven't had that much rest since I saw you in Sweden. That was so much fun. Thank you for visiting. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun for me. Honestly, it was the highlight of my summer so far. Like Me too. Yeah, it was amazing. I had the best time. Like just everything was perfect. You guys were the ideal hosts. You made me feel so welcome and looked after. And I just loved visiting Sweden. It was my first time. We loved having you. We love you. Oh, thank you. I love you guys, honestly. I, I I don't even know what to choose as my favorite bit of the trip. Like, I loved the food. I think I have a very Swedish palate, I think. Scandinavian really palate. Good. It was really good food. Really good food. And I was very impressed by your lovely town, Vimmerby. And um, just everything was so quaint I loved going swimming in the lake with you guys. Oh, I missed the lake. I have, we haven't been back since. We have to go back. I keep telling Carl we have to go back soon. Yeah, you must. And I I'll know. live vicariously through you. <laughs> and going in the sauna and then jumping in the lake with the sauna and the pier. It was so nice. It was so nice. And then the concert, that amazing concert. Oh, yeah, with Abbott. That was so nice. Oh, and that was on the new moon. And then we went straight to the thousand-year-old oak tree, Kvileken. Oh, it was so dreamy. And we did tarot cards. That was so fun. That was incredible. But I have to say, I think maybe out of everything, the thing that I love the most might have been doing your makeup and like spending time like just doing a full glam makeup on you because you are the ideal, like perfect canvas for makeup. You're so glamorous naturally. You're, you're like, I mean, you, you always look like Rita Hayworth to me anyway, but after I did your makeup, it was actually uncanny. You guys are like 
doppelgangers. <laughs> well, I love having my makeup done by you. You're so good at it. It was so fun and taking pictures. Carl's such a good photographer. Yeah, that was so much fun. He has to send us all the pictures. He's been so busy this summer, but he'll get mm-hmm. them all to us soon. Okay, no worries. Yeah, it was just so magical, honestly. I felt like I'd known you guys for ages before I actually showed up anyway. Like, I just felt such a connection with both of you. You've been such good friends to me. And then to actually get a chance to hang out, it was, like, perfect. It was so fun. Yeah, I miss you. (laughs) I miss you, too. I was so happy in June. It was so much fun, and I had such a fun time that week and then I had such a fun birthday yes it was really fun it was great honestly (laughs) so yeah I mean now I'm getting ready to um you know do lots of stuff in the fall as you know I attend the London Film Festival every year um so I've got that on the horizon I've got some courses I'm teaching including women in horror films again for the Freud Museum as well as delivering a talk for you guys too on the decaying female body in horror film yeah that's gonna be really great for our conference uh visionary medium psychoanalysis and magic of cinema we wanted to definitely make you a part of it even though you had to be at the film festival yeah we'll have you there uh in that way and that'll be great and i have you in the first panel so you can help introduce set the tone set the tone for the event well, I would love to. I would love to. Um, it's an honor to be a part of it, even though I'm doing it remotely this year. <laughs> It'll be really fun. And this Sunday, we have a talk to you on Morbid Anatomy. Yes, exactly. On dream sequences. Exactly. That's going to be really fun, too. So, yeah, I, know, I feel like we hang out all the time because we have these events. And plus, you had that great shrinks on on screen at the Freud mm-hmm. Museum in July so I went to that that's how I spent my weekend that was inspired July. by you <laughs> that was so good and there were some different ones in there yeah 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 I mean I I obviously like when we talked about that topic initially on my Patreon um it occurred to me at the time I thought actually this, there's a lot of material here you know there's kind of an endless supply of psychologists represented in film and TV. And um, and so you really inspired that topic for me. It was great. I have to ca- I have to have you back on there as my guest. Totally. <laughs> I love your Patreon. It's so good. Thank you. No, and there really is an endless supply of things on film. I can't remember what I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of things lately. And I can't remember what it was I was watching. Like I was like, oh my god, this is such a good shrink on film. But yeah, there's just so many, and they're all just so like differently portrayed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I love how there's this intrigue of um, obviously ones that are a little bit um, going against the ethical protocol, <laughs> usually <laughs> for dramatic effects, you know. <laughs> But actually, yeah. it, it, it means so a show like The Sopranos proves that you can have a psychologist, um, you know, what, um, even if they are a little bit conflicted, you can have them present as, you know, pretty much um, respecting the code and still ha- achieve like this really wonderful effect on the screen. You know, there's a lot of there's no shortage of drama or intrigue, even when the, the, the professional is 
um, you know, abiding to the agreed protocol, protocol. So. Absolutely. And that was so interesting to hear that uh, the actor won an award for yeah. like portraying a shrink on screen, like the best portrayal of one. That's really cool. Yeah, Lorraine Rocco won. Okay, that's yeah. her name. I know she's Jennifer Melfi, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. It's a fantastic honor for sure. She's so great. I love that show. She really did a good job. Yeah. I also love, I don't know, we probably talked about it. I don't know if we did. When Jillian Anderson is Hannibal's um, yes. shrink, I love that too. Because Jillian Anderson and Mads Mikkelsen is like a dream for me. Oh, wow. Yeah, what a combo. <laughs> <laughs> what a combo, truly. Yes. Truly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I've got like lots of... Um, at this time of year, usually I have lots of different films also kind of on the horizon, on my radar, because it's that time of year when it's post Cannes Film Festival and then the kind of autumn film festivals are starting to announce their programs. The one big one for me this year is The Whale, the Aronofsky movie. Mm. So he's back again um, and he's got Brendan Fraser coming Ooh. back out as a star, uh, his comeback in his movie, The Whale. And The Whale is actually an adaptation of a play. And um, it looks like a really interesting film. I haven't seen a trailer or anything for it yet, but it will be world premiering at the Venice Film Festival very soon. Oh, exciting. Well, I love Brendan Fraser. And he seems yeah. like, I don't know if this is why he kind of disappeared, but when like all, all of this came out about Weinstein, which it clearly was open for a long time, but when it was like really coming into the media, mm -hmm. all of those issues and so many actors had been uh, abused by him and, and by other higher ups. Uh, I think I recall him coming out that, that he had had some something happen as well. And it seems yeah. like, I feel like a lot of my favorite actors from like a certain era like in the 90s that just like disappeared I'm like where'd they go you know it's like yeah. it seems like that's what happened to a lot of them like Rosanna Arquette kind of disappeared and like Mira Servino and these people yeah. and it seems like a lot of uh for a lot of them that was why so they got like kind of blacklisted from Weinstein yeah. being a fucking Pariah. Predator, yeah. yeah 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 you're right um he, there's so much untold damage when we think of these situations, obviously there's people who bravely speak out, but then you have to also factor in the vast amount of people who've, whose, you know, careers have been derailed or, you know, or they tried to whistleblow and they've been shut down, you know, for decades and decades. And yeah, they've, we don't hear about them, you know, so we, I think it's safe to assume that they're kind of like the silent majority, unfortunately. Totally. And even like a lot of my favorite like actors um, that that have been around, you know, they came out with these kind of horror stories as well. Like th shit they had to put up with or that they put up with uh, in their career in order yeah. to like keep having their career. And that was really depressing to hear too, like Oma Thurman and Sam Hayek and like all these like you know, idols, you know, and it's like, wow, people look so much up to all of these actors, you know, and then you, yeah. you hear like the abuse that your kind of idols had to go through or have gone, been through. 
Um, it's just so depressing. Yeah, yeah, it's a very weird industry for sure. Um, it, you know, it's there. There needs to be a huge kind of overhaul of how things are. You know, people conduct themselves, and yeah, it's very hierarchical as well. Um, a lot of power hoarded at the top, and people expected just to fall in line. And um, that whole culture needs to change, really. Um, I hope it's changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's always great. Also, whenever I go to the London Film Festival, I always bump into Sarah. You know, my Projections Podcast co-host. Yeah. Yeah, um, we we need to get you back on there as well because the last time we had you on, it was so much fun. That was fun. Do you remember we talked about Hereditary? Of course, I remember. That was so much fun. It was great, honestly. We, maybe we should organize it so that you come back to talk about because um, you know that that director Ari Aster. Yeah, he's also coming out with a new movie soon. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it's called uh, Disappointment Boulevard, and it's with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, my oh, favorite. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, so maybe if maybe we can sort of time it so that we can watch it and when it's released, and we can have a review of it or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I also, even though I've heard mixed reviews, I also really like. Well, I always. What's the other guy? Eggers, Roger Eggers. Yes. That I associate these two. Uh, the Lighthouse was amazing. Loved it. And I also loved The Northmen. I really liked that movie. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, Robert Eggers. He's um, he's an interesting director, isn't he? Because he sort of started out with um, quite indie, small horror films. And now he's he's more in demand. He's become a little bit more mainstream as well with the Northmen. I have to say, I think maybe my favorite of his is the Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is my favorite for sure. Yeah, the Witch is my least favorite. A lot of people I know love the Witch. Uh-huh. And for me, it's just like I like the end, but yes. like I don't like just <laughs> watching all this Christian like torture and how. I'm sure everybody was. It was to me, it's just like Christian torture porn of like people living in this poverty, and I just like can't. No, <laughs> I didn't no. like it. I want more of the witchy stuff at the end. Make me a movie too. That, that that the whole way through. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the lighthouse had that yeah. kind of tortured, obsessional vibe too. But it was really good, and then it had like weird, surreal, fantastical elements. I thought that yeah. that was definitely his best film, like The Mermaid. So yeah, like The Mermaid. That exactly. that was amazing. By the way, Robert Eggers, I've just looked him up, and he's a cancer, like you. Oh, that makes it. sense, actually, because he, he he seems very deep and like very philosophical very profound i find all cancerians have been like that the ones i've met totally well we're the moon sign exactly so it makes soul. sense of the unconscious yes yes exactly soul connection mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it's so funny because ever since i um i attended it was now all, almost a year ago now um it was carl's morbid anatomy talk oh yeah um on like memento Memento mori and everything yeah Mm -hmm. it's really like got me thinking like i've really changed my mindset you know and it's 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 like really impacted me uh 
in the way that I view things. And even when I was in Sweden, like we talked a little bit about it, the three of us about, about like intentional living and what it, what gets called like witchcraft and then gets spoken about in very taboo terms um, is really just like consolidating your mental energy and your actions and focusing it on what you want to manifest. Absolutely. And, and doing it while remembering that like your life is finite, you know, um, mm -hmm. you don't have all the time in the world anyway, in this dimension, you know, <laughs> eventually death is a part of the life cycle here. Mm -hmm. And so while you're here, you have to get what you want. <laughs> and it just really made me think really deeply about stuff like that and how, what gets panned and criticized and judged as like evil witchcraft is really just people like saying, no, I know what I want and I'm going to go after it. And I'm going to make sure that I manifest the outcome that I desire. And people feel resentful about that. So they have to find a way to suppress that because maybe they don't feel the courage to manifest what they want. So it's more convenient to like shut down other people than to, it is to like actually pursue their own dreams. Absolutely. And, and the society conditions us to be like that too, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I don't know if they explicitly say it, I'm sure they do at times, but it's kind of implicit that like, you know, it's selfish to like put mm -hmm. your will out into the world or to try to get what you want or, you know, you're supposed to be selfless. It's also, I, I really hate Christianity. So sometimes I'm going <laughs> to rant about it, but it's like this real Christian idea of like, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself, like to help everybody else. And anybody, especially like in my profession knows that or people that are just naturally like listeners or people caretakers knows you can't, you can't do that. You can't sacrifice yourself for everybody else because then, and you know, everybody's screwed. Like it doesn't work. Yeah. You have to take care of yourself first. And then you can take care of other people or do your job or whatever you're doing. So it's just like this whole like idea that you're supposed to like be like selfless or that being selfish is like a bad thing. It's like if you don't take care of yourself, nobody's going to take care of you. Like period. Yeah. End of story. You know, <laughs> like nobody else is going to do it for you. And it's actually even wanting other people to do it for you. That's rude, too, you know. So you have to learn to take care of yourself and make sure you don't overextend yourself and make sure you have good boundaries so you have your energy so that you can invest your energy into creating your life, you know, the way you want it to be and you have a better quality of life. And that also, in my experience, kind of inspires other people, helps other people to also want to kind of create the life of what they want to see in the world for themselves and those around them. And it can like spread that way. To me, that's really positive, but it's like mm. this kind of Christian ethic that at least like the U.S. at, at least is uh, kind of overlaid with what you're supposed to like self-sacrifice and that, you know, self-care is, is bad and selfish. It's just really, it's really unhealthy for people. It's just part of their, you know, power dynamics and methods of controlling people. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of saying, um, it's situating the center of autonomy and agency outside of the individual. It's mm -hmm. saying, you know, look to our heavenly father 
for guidance, you know, he will, he, he will give you, you know, the life that was intended for you. Like you're just a passive player in your own life. Yeah, exactly. It's keeping you always in the passive position. Right. It's very infantilizing, mm-hmm. um, which makes me think of, you know, Freud's book, The Future of an Illusion, where he, mm-hmm. one of the best, one of, you know, one of the greatest uh, um, arguments against um, a- these Abrahamic faiths that where he's essentially positing that the, um, the Abrahamic God um, is essentially just a projection of an unresolved Oedipal crisis against mm-hmm. the father, you know, and, and so... It, it, this is a, such a contrast to what Carl was talking about and, and what you yourself have said many times as well, how actually it's it's kind of re- reclaiming that agency and autonomy, um, situating it back within yourself as opposed to just this external thing where decisions are made on your behalf. So now you are, um, I mean, to an extent, obviously, as we you and I are, very much, you know, uh, faithful followers of the psychoanalytic <laughs> framework. Um, we, we also understand that much of our behavior is governed through the unconscious. So we don't, we, we wouldn't claim to be fully in control at all times. That's not the point. It's more about um, striving for that autonomy to design the life that we want and to pursue the dreams that we're passionate about and not just letting that be dictated by an arbitrary force that might not even be aligned with our values. Exactly. Absolutely. No, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think monotheism, there was a meme that's going around the other day where it started with colonialism and capital which led to capitalism and like all of the horrors that this has like subjected uh, people to and the earth to and exploitation of the earth and animals and and humans etc all this devastation but to me at the top of that you have to put monotheism you know monotheism Mm -hmm. to me led to colonialism which led to capitalism with which led has led to all this destruction because you know if you think that you're especially when people think not just that their way is right but that they are with the right God, that they're with the right and only God, and then, then there's no room for diversity because, you know, if my God is the only way, then everyone else is automatically less than yeah. and can be uh, othered and exploited to the max, you know? So it's like, it, it's, it's so unhealthy for humans. Like humans have a natural, clearly propensity for having this kind of uh, belief system where they get really, we get really fanatical and we, be, we become, um, yeah, we persecute others. I mean, we, we can be really violent and cruel apparently. And so, you know, yeah. I think in order to break that down, like my friends who have belief systems, like believing in the Orishas, where there's a whole like pantheon of gods, like pantheism, polytheism, where you have a whole range of gods and the different gods represent kind of different aspects. You can see how they represent different aspects of psychology and the self. Um, You can kind of identify with them at different times in your life, or they represent different kind of uh, patterns of the earth and the, the, the seasons and the, uh, the planet in that way they're either like natural or, or psychological mm-hmm. but they're diverse you know and there's like a whole range and that I think is just much healthier for people and worked for people 
for thousands of years before monotheism and hopefully we'll continue to work for people for thousands of years into the future. Um, mm. But I think that shift into monotheism uh, where people started thinking that there was only one, one way. And oftentimes people with the polytheistic pantheistic belief systems are, are animistic as well. and believe that the earth is, is, is a being, you know, the earth has life too, yeah. which of course it does. How could it give us life if it didn't yeah. have life? You know, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's not just a rock, you know? Yeah. So it's like it's believing. And if you believe that the earth you know, is it has its own life, its own life force, which it does, then you're going to take better care of it. You treat the earth like a friend or you want to take care of it. You don't want to exploit it in that way. So, but, but monotheism also led to people not being, you know, so tied to the earth and the world around them and the animals and made us, you know, not only do we think we're better than other people who don't have our specific religious belief, but we think we're better than the animals. We think we're better than nature and the earth. We think we're separate from nature. Yeah. It also makes no sense. And it led to this whole like separation of us, like what, what is natural? I mean, if you look up in the dictionary, like what is natural is what is not man-made, but like we've made, like, what do we make things of? We make things of things on the earth, but you know, like this is, all of this is natural, you know, it's just yeah. like, uh, it's just led to this weird divide in our mindset that's led to so much exploitation of each other animals and, and the earth that we live on. So, or live within, I guess, really, actually, right? Because that, yeah, we live within the earth. So, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a bad, bad trajectory that has clearly caused uh, us a lot of problems in a pretty short amount of time compared to how long we've been on the planet. And I really, I really, to me, you know, people, of course, colonialism is horrible um, Mm. and capitalism is really out of control. Um, But, uh, you know, I think at the top of it, people need to to realize that monotheism is is at the root of all of that. And also, I also think, which I know is not the mainstream view, but I also think, <laughs> you know, in general, like, for example, you know, with patriarchy and then, they, then there's this like yeah. turn where people say, oh, well, not all men are like that. Not all men are abusive rapists. It's like, yeah, but the system is set up that men in general abuse and you know, abuse others, abuse women and gender non-conforming people, mm-hmm. trans people, you know, are, are at a disadvantage in this system. And instead of being like, uh, you know, well, not all monotheists are, you know, <laughs> causing destruction. I think I think that people who are secular and just have it kind of as a tradition of belief, um, and a secular belief system where they believe, but they're not fanatical. Cause whenever some, some fanatical thing happens, like late, like recently with Salman Rushdie, for example, yeah. you know, whenever something fanatical happens, people say, well, not all of this kind of monotheist is mm-hmm. like that, you know? And like, I understand that wanting to distance yourself and not be part of the fanatical few. But at the same time, I think at a certain point, you have to realize, even if most people aren't like that, we also have to acknowledge that, a monotheistic worldview does lead to um, a certain level of fanaticism in a certain group of people. And instead of like being like, well, we're not all like that. I think rather we need to take responsibility for the fact that that happens. Um, And yeah, instead of trying to distance ourselves from it so much, I think we all need to take responsibility for that and and, and address it more often than it is because America especially has this very like hands off. You can't criticize anyone's, 
religious beliefs. Um, mm. And I really just think that's an issue. Like churches not paying taxes, you know, it's like yeah. uh, here. I asked Carl the other day, do churches pay taxes in Sweden? They do. Wow. That's nice. You know, of really? Course yeah. Of course you're going to have like a business that exploits things if they don't have to pay taxes and things like that. And then you end up, sure. with, you know, all sorts of other offshoot religions that also don't pay taxes and I won't name because they're litigious yeah <laughs> but you know I think uh yeah I think it's a, I think having this hands-off approach where you can't touch certain subjects because like you have to respect that or whatever you have to respect people's religious beliefs it just ends up you know having certain discussions that are off limits and that ends up being um, an issue because people have a proclivity to take advantage of situations and just be like well you can't talk about this because it's off limits mm-hmm. um, and then they end up like running wild uh, especially when people are in groups and especially when people are in groups that believe that they yeah are the one true way and can get away with whatever they want yeah yeah totally I mean when I was a kid I remember even when as as young as like five or six years old I remember having the impulse to like just acknowledge different um, symbols as being like the kind of paragons of an idea. So I I think I already had this um, natural inclination to be like more polytheistic as if, if that makes sense. Like I remember reading books about ancient Greek gods and goddesses and the concept made sense to me like in my little kid's mind that I was like, yeah, it makes sense. There's, you know, if you, ha- if you think of something like um, war or beauty, um, there should be like a, 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 a sort of um, an apex or a representative of that, that mm. fully embodies and encompasses that mood or that energy you know, or that state of mind. So the fact that the Greeks came up with with a variety of different gods and goddesses, um, it just made sense to me, like logically, you know. Um, and I've always kind of held on to that. Really, it's more the the, the kind of um, concentration of an energy that is then represented by an image or a symbol, and then you can kind of visualize it because these are abstract concepts, right? So the narratives that they've built around that energy as well adds to our understanding of how those things work. I also like that the Greeks were um, kind of able to dramatize their gods and goddesses Mm -hmm. and that they were never perfect, really. They also had like petty dramas and, um, you know, sort of immature preoccupations. And they sometimes, you know there was like infighting or problems with mortals or whatever. So they're kind of saying that even within that um, divinity or deification, um, there is still some kind of crisis that, that wants to be resolved. It's not just this pristine, um, art, you know, sort of um, proclamation of like perfection, it's something else. It's 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 fluid. It's dynamic, and that always made sense to me. I mean, maybe you know, maybe it's like when when people think, well, there has to just be one creator of everything. Maybe it's just the case that there's like an intelligent design that's been 
that, that gets projected and that's our universe, but we don't, we don't know what the hell that is. We, 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 we really only have um, the material uh, evidence in front of us and we have to try and make sense of it. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's more interesting to think about it in terms of little categories or maybe archetypes or little, um, like little tiny universes in a bigger multiverse and everything has its own design and its own energy. And, and then you can think of a symbol that represents all that. Like, as you know, I'm very into, um, <laughs> like self-care and, uh, like cosmetic stuff, like beauty and skincare and all that. And actually I have you to thank because you introduced me to the, the facial steamer. <laughs> oh, it's the best. I love it. My happy place. Whenever I feel stressed, I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and do some pore steaming. Yeah. Oh, it's so (laughs) satisfying. And honestly, my skin is looking so much better since I've started using it. Like my, because I I did have enlarged pores and now they're like visibly smaller. My makeup applies better. Like my skin feels healthier, softer. And when I'm doing it, like when I'm actually doing the facial steaming session, it's not very long, but I just feel so empowered. And like, it's just this like very focused time where I'm, I try and meditate while I'm doing that. And it just feels like I'm manifesting something. I don't know what exactly. It's like tuning into this vibration that is kind of restorative and healing and peaceful and then that just gets like applied in some other aspect maybe my work or you know my friendships whatever and um yeah I guess it goes back to what you were saying before about the importance of having those rituals you know self-care and taking that time for yourself to like restore yourself We, we live in a very harsh world you know so we have to re-energize some some way like reinvigorate ourselves you know absolutely and I think uh these years of COVID have hopefully helped people kind of reframe their priorities so that they can feel like um making sure they have a good quality of life personally and are taking care of themselves is more of a priority than like working ourselves to the bone you know yeah Unless the work is like something we really love, like, yeah, you know, if, so, if it's something that invigorates you, like people say to me all the time, like, oh my God, you're just doing so many things, but all the things I do is stuff I love, like the cut yeah. and the art and stuff like that. So that that's what I do in my free time anyway, you know, yeah. so it's just like, I'm glad other people like it <laughs> so I can like share it with them. But if, if they didn't, I would still be doing it. So yeah. Yeah, the fact that they love it so much and you have um, a very devoted audience is almost like a bonus because you're already so in love with the work that you do. It's like a wonderful, happy bonus that everyone else also celebrates it and and finds it so helpful and so important and vital. Um, The most important thing is how you feel about it. And I totally get it. Like sometimes I'm also like in, in a very focused work zone where it feels like I'm just working all the time and I'm like on a project and it's time sensitive, you know, there's a deadline or, um, 
I have to do a lot of tasks for it and stuff. And then I'm just like in the zone, I'm in the flow of it. So it doesn't feel arduous. It doesn't feel torturous. It feels powerful. Like I'm, I feel like I'm feeding into, um, uh, a positive energy, you know, like I'm, it's creative. It's, it also regenerates me, you know, it's intellectually stimulating. So that kind of work is also has its place, like that kind of nonstop flow you're in, you're in that kind of, um, in the wave of it, you know, but I guess, um, when that eventually concludes and you meet your deadline, um, it is also important to take like just a, a beat and restore and like, like a palate cleanser and like a spirit cleanser, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise it's, it just feels like for me anyway, it feels like I'm, I'm just on a constant treadmill and I need a little bit of time as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with the autumn coming up, autumn's always busy, busy for talks and courses and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much going on all the time. When I'm in the London Film Festival, I sometimes just go from screening to screening. It's like, a day will go by and I've been to like four films. It's, and sometimes they all blur into one, you know? Um, so it is quite, it's, it's busy. Like those two weeks in, in October are a bit like just full on adrenaline, you know, and quite late nights sometimes. Um, but it's also very social. I always bump into like interesting people, I meet up with friends I haven't seen for ages, you know, sometimes it's quite, uh, it can feel very spontaneous and and fun. So I'm looking forward to it. I just hope that I see better films this year. Last year, I feel like I complained a lot and I didn't see that many good films. Um. (laughs) How do you choose which ones you're going to see? Well, I usually uh, get a press accreditation. So, um, I just go to press screenings. So I follow the schedule of what's on in the day and I choose my press screenings. Sometimes they're difficult to get into. There's like a long line and I get, you know, sometimes I get demotivated. I'm like, I'm not standing in that line for two hours, you know? So, and and other other times. That's a long line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, other times though, uh, there is a chance to also like, uh, for for uh, press people to get um, like ballot tickets for p- uh, public showings, and uh, the year before last, I was successful in every single ballot I put into. Like I I got the ticket, and last year I didn't even get one. So I'm really hoping that whatever happened last year is corrected because I do like those public screenings. I like. I mean, it's fun seeing a movie with. Uh, you know, film critics and, and members of the press um, and podcasters and stuff. But I think sometimes with that crowd, they're so, I don't want to say that they're like too jaded because I, I don't want to assume that, but it's maybe like, they're, it's so professional, you know, like there's not that spontaneous laughter sometimes. It just feels very like, almost like sanitized of the cinematic experience. Whereas in a public screening, they're just like regular cinema goers, right? There's no professional angle. They're just there to enjoy the movie. And that enjoyment factor, 
creates a much, I think, much more fun cinematic experience. It's more spontaneous. Yeah, that sounds fun. I've only been to one film festival and it was in 2003 and it was a documentary film festival in Amsterdam and was just with all these war journalists, basically, uh, mm-hmm. watching like all these documentaries. A lot of them were about war and it was really tough. I must say, I was like, hmm, yeah. this is a tough way to spend your week. Um, and also everybody's like, so like they have so much adrenaline from being yeah. in these kinds of life or death scenarios that they're like really high strung. And yeah. then of course it's Amsterdam and all the things that go along with <laughs> Amsterdam. So everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> out of their minds and really like revved up from be- living in war zones for the past couple of years. And it was, uh, yeah, it was mm. an intense experience. So that's my own experience. And I wow. didn't have a lot of cigarette smoke because <laughs> you can still smoke inside everywhere there. Yeah. And I don't know how it is now, but, um, yeah, it was, it was intense. So I'm not the, I'm not the norm film festival, I guess. Wow. You, that's a very intense experience for sure. Um, cause I know that work, work correspondents and war journalists also, they're, they're drinkers. <laughs> they, yeah. They were doing everything. They were doing yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> Including psychedelics. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like okay. in Amsterdam, at least then, I don't know how it is now, but they would have like, uh, refrigerators where you could just like go buy packages of mushrooms and things. So they were just like eating all the shrooms and yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, I can't wow. imagine doing psychedelics and mixing that with like having been in a war. No, but apparently that <laughs> happens sometimes because I know my dad was, you know, drafted yeah. in the Vietnam era, and then he has stories too of like people having psychedelics and going. And he was on a submarine. I mean, why would you want to be on a submarine on LSD? I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! But apparently this happens. So it seems like a bad combination. <laughs> It just seems like the worst combination of things yeah. you could do. It's like, let me take psychedelics and like go into a war zone. Just oh, like, man. Yeah. But I guess Apocalypse Now kind of touched on that, too. Yeah. Yeah, Speaking for sure. Movies. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I, re- I remember when, when I was visiting you as well, every time we passed by that lovely cinema... We were praying for it. It's opening, Mary. It's opening. Are you kidding? It's reopening? It's reopening. That's what I wanted to tell you. I was like, what was it that I wanted to tell Mary? It was something I wanted to tell her. Yeah, the cinema is reopening in like two weeks. I am so happy to hear that. Because I I was so sad when I heard that it had closed. We were so sad. Oh, my God. And every time we drove past it, do you remember? Like, we were praying yeah. and praying that it reopened. <laughs> open, open, open. Yeah, it's reopening. I was even, when I was doing my morning jog, you know, jogging uh, in, in when I was visiting, every time I passed by it, I was, like, still, like, <laughs> praying and praying. It worked. It is actually reopening. That is amazing. That's so exciting. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, we're very happy about it, too. Very. Oh, wow. Apparently, some couple that owns a lot of like tiny cinemas in tiny towns in this kind of region of Sweden has taken it over. And oh, good. Manage it, so that is very good news. Yeah, that's exactly who you want to be managing a place like this. They're invested, so that's very good. Oh, thank God! I am very happy. 
Me too, because yeah, <laughs> now the tiny town is perfect again. And the tiny I'm, town was not complete without a cinema. Yeah, definitely. Now it's basically like, as you say, it's perfect. And I have to say, I had probably one of the best sushi meals I've ever had in the your sushi town. Sushi is so good. So good. And mm. yeah, and now we have our bio back, our cinema back. That's so it's such cool. a cute old cinema with the cool neon sign and... It's so cute inside. The next time you visit, we can go to the movies. Like we. Oh should. my gosh! I can't wait. I can't. Next time it's gonna be like I'm gonna. I'm, not only am I gonna ha- have fun hanging out with you guys, I'm also gonna meet your lovely puppy. Yes, Linnea. Linnea. So She'll be big by then. She's so she. Every day I pick her up, she's like heavier than she was the day before. Wow. But. Uh, it's good in a way because boy, puppies are a lot of work. So the bigger <laughs> they get, the more they sleep. Yes. So that's good. <laughs> Which means it's the more we so get to sleep. Fun. <laughs> yeah, she's very cute. She's a joy. She's a treat. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. And whenever she you're in a different room and you walk into the room, she gets so excited. Oh. You know, like, oh my God, you're here. Like, hello. Oh, it's so <laughs> they're like, cute. They're like all in, you know, they're just yes. like, they, all of their feelings are just like right on the surface. You know? <laughs> it's just like excited, tired, hungry, whatever it is. It's just like ha- happening all out there for you to see. It's very refreshing. That is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable. It's very refreshing. <gasps> When is Linnea's birthday? May 28th. That's a good ah, question. So May 28th. Gemini. 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 Aww. Aww. That's very cute. cute. That's very cute. <laughs> I bet the lady actually knows what time they were born to. I can ask her. Now you I'm going to have whole to make birth her a chart. chart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see. <laughs> that would be really cute. That would be so, that'd be so cute. Yeah, so she's, I'm supposed to, I'm giving a talk in Hanover at a gallery on September 15th, and we were all going to take a road trip, but she'll actually be like one week too young to be able to get her like puppy passport. She has to have a little passport. (laughs) Puppy passport? Yeah, they have to have a passport. We have to take her to get, but it won't be ready in her, she has to, she won't have all of her vaccines ready to be able to travel yet. So I have to go down to Hanover by myself. But um, it'll be fun to take her on future road trips. Like we're seeing if yeah. she can be at the conference in Copenhagen in October. Mm-hmm. That'd be cute. Oh, so cute. Because, yeah, she's a little part of the family now. Aww. And Carl's especially attached to her. And she's especially attached to Carl. It's his dog. So. So cute. They're a little pair. And they were also in the tarot reading. Carl drew the fool card and. He's like, yeah, a little white dog with me. It was a little white dog. I've also ordered that tarot set. Have it you? should be here soon. Yeah. They apparently have a Swedish version. Apparently Ooh. it's a German guy who made yes. them. Yes. And apparently there's a Swedish version. So I ordered that for Carl. It's a surprise for him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's very cool. Specifically because of that reading and because of the little white dog on the full card. Amazing. Yeah. That was really interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a good reading. Yeah. 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 You're good, Mary. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I honestly felt like just <clears throat> enveloped in magical spirit that entire time I was visiting you guys. Good. Um, yeah. How we like it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Do you think that um, you guys will ever do like a seminar on like a, like a kind of almost like a masterclass, like a, like a practical thing, a symposium on how to, how to actually practice witchcraft? Well, we do the Patreon 23rd Mind Level where we do something every Monday. Yes. And then we made those into books. Um, But because, I guess because there are magical practices week to week, it's not like in specific Mm. order. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just kind of like what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. You just open the book and flip around and see what interests you. Yes. Um, But we have been thinking about, because your Patreon is so great because you put exclusive content every Friday. Mm. And so the only way to access that content is to be on the Patreon, which is only $5. And it's worth it, everyone. (laughs) It's very good. (laughs) Um, And I think that's a great idea. So I was wondering, I was thinking that Carl and I should do something like once a month, have a like a Q&A or little talk session or something like that where we meet with the patrons and yeah and just like talk about whatever they want basically and they can mm. ask us questions and stuff like that you know yeah, and we're also idea. doing actually for the, the next series of morbid anatomy events for the fall um in September I'm having Isabel Miller back um, Amazing. with uh, Dwayne Monroe and they're going to talk about artificial intelligence and all mm-hmm. the things that they talk about regarding that and then you're going to be in November with Sabina Stent, which will be amazing. That'll yeah. Be and then in October, uh, Carl and I are going to do one together. And um, we're kind of going to talk about that because uh, like magical practices, kind of 101 and things you can do because um, we're both presenting the weekend before our conference in Copenhagen. We're presenting at this conference in Berlin called the Occulture Conference. Oh, yeah. Carl's going to be talking specifically about his time in, in the Temple of Psychic Youth and kind wow. of the DIY. DIY magic is basically what it's called, chaos magic <gasps> techniques. But it's basically like DIY magic and like, it, you know, it's a very modern way of looking at magic where it's like you don't have to be in a certain tradition and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. initiated into a certain tradition and go through like certain levels of steps. You basically like we live in a you know modern world and you can kind of take what's around you and make the modern kind of way of living work for you. You know, you don't have to like re- like memorize things out of books. And I mean, you can if you want to, if that's part of your DIY magic, but you can also do other things, you know. Um, so, and a lot of like media, integrating media into magical practices, which is what, you know, they did in Temple of Psychic Youth. The, the, yeah. the band that went along with it was called Psychic TV. And it was when like VHS was just getting going in the eighties. And so people were like doing magical techniques with like recording videos and, and music and using tape loops and stuff like that. That's right. It's very like cut ups deriving from Bert, William Burroughs and Brian Geisen and their kind uh-huh. of cut up uh, experiments from the 1960s and 70s. So it's all like built on top of one another. So Carl's going to talk about that and I'm going to talk about those kinds of things as well. And especially like, yeah, basically my own magical practices in more detail and using using what I do as an example of way other people can work and kind of 
tailor their magical practice to them and like what suits them rather than feeling uh-huh. it's again like empowering the individual to have agency rather than feeling like you know you have to read a book or like find a teacher that's going to teach you and like learn all these steps and like feeling like you have to catch up or like get yeah. the information from the outside instead of doing that like see what your inner resources are what you're naturally good at work with your ancestors those your ancestors are yours you know nobody can needs to teach you how to work with your own ancestors mm. and how you can have adopted ancestors that are basically like artists and magicians and mm-hmm. musicians or whoever that resonate with you that you you like that their techniques and the way they work they worked and you can kind of work work with their techniques to develop your own kind of style yes so I'm very much about of course we live in a system a world of systems and structures of oppression and you know that definitely needs to change but you know I, I feel like even in the psychoanalytic work of course we recognize that but really all you can do is kind of find your own agency to yeah. kind of work work within that dismantle it and if you can dismantle those kinds of notions that have been put in us by society if you can dismantle that within yourself that's a great step towards dismantling it as a whole you know absolutely yeah and it's an ongoing process exactly um you know it doesn't follow a kind of linear progression from a to b it's like it's 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 chaotic and it's like it's a bit messy but it's very profound and revealing Uh, i'm certainly very interested in this di DIY magic for sure. Um, so I will definitely be attending that among all the other um, events that you cited. It sounds very exciting. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a good one. October is always a busy month for magicians. It's the, it's the Scorpio, it's Scorpio season. Yes, it's Scorpio season. <laughs> mm-hmm. <So>. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's the witching hour of the year. Exactly. There's always a lot of things happening. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to be sure to mention? Oh, um, well, I will be, um, let me think. Well, yes, there is the Freud Lynch book that's coming out soon. Ooh. uh, Published by Phoenix Publishing, um, and edited by Jamie Rowers and uh, Stefan Myranski at the Freud Museum London. It's basically a book that they have edited out of the conference that they hosted a few years ago in London on mm-hmm. David Lynch and psychoanalysis. And um, yeah, the, the, the speakers at the conference each contributed a chapter, including myself. And that is going to be coming out very soon. That's so exciting. And uh, we should also mention that you wrote the foreword for the Bergman book that I edited. Yeah. That's also going to be out, I think, December 1st. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, too. And then hopefully we'll get to do a release party for that sometime next year, uh, probably in the summer in uh, Fore, where Bergman yes, lives. The island, that he, mm-hmm. the island off of an island that he lived on that the Bergman Museum, Bergman Center is. That would be cool. Wow, that's very cool. That's very cool. It's a good pilgrimage. Yes, absolutely. You must see that movie, by the way, Bergman Island, about Foray. Yes, definitely. I looked it up. I think I did find it. I'm yeah. going to write it down right now so I don't forget again. 
Yeah, yeah, I think you'll like it. Um, oh, yeah, that's what sounds right up our alley. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot there for you to enjoy. Um, oh, sure. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me back on on your show. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you. Yeah, it's always fun. And I'll see you Sunday because we're doing Morbid Anatomy on Sunday. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to put this episode out right away so that... uh, Yay! So it'll be out probably tomorrow. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you Sunday. See you Sunday. Bye. Bye, Mary. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a discussion with Mary wild join us this sunday august 21st at morbid anatomy live via zoom mary will be presenting cinematic dream sequences alongside her jennifer dumpert will be presenting exploring consciousness through liminal dreaming definitely check out mary's podcast projections podcast And in October the 30th and 31st, she has her Women in Horror course at the Freud Museum London, which is also live via Zoom. You can visit the Freud Museum website for more information about that. It's freud.org.uk. And you should follow Mary on social media. She's Psychstar, P-S-Y-C-S-T-A-R at Twitter and Instagram. And she has a great Patreon that has exclusive content coming out every Friday. It's patreon.com forward slash Mary Wild. She'll also be presenting remotely at our conference, Visionary Medium, Psychoanalysis and the Magic of Cinema which is going to be held in Copenhagen on October 14th through 16th. More information and tickets can be found at psychartcult.org. That's P-S-Y-C-H-A-R-T-C-U-L-T dot org. You can support the podcast at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa23Carl. Your support is so appreciated. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon community. You can follow me on social media at Rawson underscore. That's R-A-W-S-I-N underscore at Twitter and Instagram. And at TikTok at Dr. Vanessa Sinclair. 23. Rendering Unconscious is also a book, Rendering Unconscious, Psychoanalytic Perspectives, Politics, and Poetry. Visit our publisher's website for more information. That's trapart.net. And now a song by White Stains called Express Your Desire. Enjoy. From now on, from now on, you're going to Sunday school every Sunday. Rain or shine, you're going. But why, Carl? Well, it'll give you a little Christian upbringing, that's why. Give you a sense of values. Oh.
Uh, why not give you a little bit? But if I do, just freeze it'll give you a penny any fun out of me.